Well, hello and welcome to Rock is Pockets. In the house today, we have Marilyn Safry, a registered psychotherapist, and uh, Derek Nearing, a uh, ex-military member and an author of uh, two books. You can talk about those in a moment. We're gonna go. We're gonna go with Marilyn first, if that's all right with you, Derek. Sure. Well, it doesn't matter because we're going first. <laughs> I'm the boss. <laughs> okay. Right. All right. Uh, so yeah, why don't we just uh, introduce yourself, Marilyn? Oh well, Marilyn Safri. Um, I'm an immigrant to Canada from South Africa originally, but we've been here for 40, 50 years. So well, the loss is our gain. Yes, oh, I think so. Yes, I hope well, so. Let's hope so. <laughs> hope so. Um, basically, um, family person, but I have been an artist most of my life. And um, when I was in my fifties, I decided I'd do a, a go study art therapy, like do another area of art other than just paint. So okay. we'll that, get into that more in a moment. Yeah, yeah. And so that's. Um, Basically, what's entertained me for the last uh, 15, 20 years or so. Now you're doing Strangers Podcasts. And this is a first. (laughs) But very nice. Lovely, lovely. All right. All right, Derek. Yes. If that's who you really are. Uh, We have Derek Nearing here. He's an author of two books. You want to talk about that for a minute, Derek? Sure. Yeah. The books, uh, one is about my my homeland in Cape Breton. It's called uh, Anchor of My Heart. That sounds dangerous. Yes, Memories of a Cabrit in Childhood. It's just a, a little book of about 45 short stories about, you know, growing up in the 60s and 70s back in Cape Breton. Um, and the second book is called Walking Them Home, uh, A Soldier's Journey into Post-War Rwanda. And it was uh, when we went and did a humanitarian tour in 94 after the genocide. That's a good book to read. Anybody out there can order it from where, Derek? Uh, you can get it at Amazon, uh, Indigo Chapters, uh, you get it uh, from Freezing Press. All right. Have you written anything, Marilyn? I'm sorry? Are you a published author? No, not at all. I, I've written a few things, papers and stuff, and done some conference work, but no, I'm not a writer. Oh, so the only Shakespeare in the house is Derek. Yes. All right. Well, let's get right on to it. We're, like I said, we won't do anything structured today, except for the beginning here. <laughs> and then we're winging it. Um, so you're a psychotherapist. And to, lay, to lay the ground a little bit, a psychologist, mm-hmm. as I understand it, at the very uh, root is understanding of human ba- behavior and uh, treatment or modification of behavior, mm-hmm. mental, mental injuries without using drugs. Yes, basically, yes. And a yeah. psy- psychiatrist yeah. is concerned with the mental, uh, the diagnosis of mental disorders and the treatment of sometimes using drugs. Yes, and a psychiatrist is always a medical doctor as right. well. That's in my notes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, because I totally forgot about it. All right. You might notice this isn't as professional as I set it up to be when you got here. <laughs> All right. It's so fine. that brings us to a psychotherapist. So a psychotherapist, some are doctors and that's pretty much all I know about it. Well, I think actually psychotherapist is a term, a, a, an inclusive term. So you could say a psychologist is a psychotherapist. It's a therapist who uses psychology. But a, psycho, a, a, a psychologist is a highly, highly specifically trained person who may or may not work clinically. Uh, a doctor, a psychologist, uh, a psychiatrist also is very, very specifically trained. But anybody who works as a counselor up to a psychiatrist or a psychologist is a psychotherapist. 
Well, that just confused the muddy the waters even more. <laughs> but that, but that, that is basically what it is. It's the training that you have in this, um, who you can work with, who you are trained to work with. So there's different mm-hmm. types of psychotherapists, is there? Yeah. So like a clinical mm-hmm. psychologist or a... Well, you have a, a psychotherapist can be a counselor who counsels somebody um, on what career to take. Right. Or, or marriage counseling, right? I should get my wife up here. <laughs> <laughs> um, or or further, and, and a, a, a lot of people have different roles, like they, they might do um, something more counseling, which is practical every day, how to get on with your life, how to get over a bump in your life, or how to handle a loss. Or they might uh, find somebody else who comes who has a lot of early problems that are affecting their life. And so you start to look at the unconscious areas, you dig deeper and you see what's stirring things up. And if you go even deeper and more specific, you're going to be a psychologist as well. Like I am not a psychologist and I can't diagnose people because I don't have the training. But you, well, so start start a little bit. Uh, I cut you off on the introduction there a bit. So how, how, what do you specifically practice? Like how did you get into it? Okay. Um, well, I said I was an artist, so I have a lot of art training. I have masses of art training, like visual arts. And that comes under the category of, uh, in psychotherapy, of uh, creative therapies. Okay. And I went and did a two-year specific training on art therapy, which is a sort of um, combination of psychotherapy, psychology, and art. So I'm now using my art um, to make the psychology work. And how how does the art make the psychology work? Like, are you uh, treating different parts of the brain or? Yeah, yeah. And (laughs) very good, very good. (laughs) I mean, there's a long history of art and healing, art and spirituality. I mean, going back to cave paintings, expressing yourself through visual images, which is a a type of communication. So if you sort of... Before the written language kind of thing. Yeah, way before written language. Um, And then... I mean, that's, we're talking, you know, thousands of years ago or something. So the art therapy as a discipline is very new. Basically labeled, a little bit of it done beforehand, but not called therapy, starting after the Second World War. Um, England and the United States developed art therapy associations in schools in the 1960s. If uh, Skinner is a psychologist guru and... Uh and uh, Freud is the psychiatrist guru. Who who do you guys? Who's uh, our guru? Who's your guru? Who do, who do you who do you go to? It's Dep- kind of a sort of depends a lot, right? Yeah, I mean Canada. It's very very new, but there are a few people that started it. Um, Nineteen, yeah. Art Therapy Association in Canada started about nineteen eighty seven. and has been developing, developing, developing since then. Uh, You get uh, Edith Kramer, uh, uh, Naumberg in the United States who uh, developed art therapy. The original people who labeled it art therapy were in England. Adrian Hill, um, Edward Adamson. They recognized that art could help people who are either physically sick or mentally ill in terms of expression, relaxation, and then it developed from there. So now we have people like um, Mal Chiodi and um, 
can't, of course, I can't think of their names, but uh, they are art therapists, but they they work together hand in hand with psychologists now and in research as well. So are you paired up with a psychologist yourself? Uh, you mean me personally? Well, like, as a, as Do I go to a shrink? <laughs> <No>. Yes. <laughs> Thank you very much for asking. Yeah, I just drew that out of you. No, you didn't even know I was drawing it out of you. <laughs> very good. So uh, No, I'm not paired up in work. Occasionally, um, I do connect with my clients, uh, psychologists, because all of them have either counselors or psychologists or psychiatrists at some point all when right. they see me. So, so how many patients do you uh, work with? Um, well, on... Do you call them patients? Um, I'd like to, but here in Canada, we call them clients. So, oh, okay. so it's, I don't know. I think patients is nicer, but on the other hand, clients work just as well. So, right, right now, say from the beginning of last year, I was working with uh, eighteen people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pandemic-wise, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, I'm now down to about nine. Yeah, everybody's yeah. staying at home. Yeah, people stay at home. It is very hard to do art therapy over the phone, though you can. There's different ways you can do it. It's just not the same, though. Well, you've always got Zoom and. Um yeah, but a lot of people are not very comfortable on video. They 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 don't really want it. Anyway, we'll see how it develops. And for me, the way I'm working, that's a really nice number of people to work for, because my my sessions are anything from an hour and a quarter to two hours long. So if I have three a day, that's a lot. It's a day. So if somebody paints you a stick man in a nice. I think I used this analogy before. <laughs> Somebody paints you a stick man on a stick horse. Um, <laughs> we don't, we want to let, complicate things. Let me it. see it. Yes. You, <laughs> you, you, you analyze this and what mm-hmm. you, go, you go with the, the client or the patient and mm. you try to probe and say, what, what are you communicating here? Or I mean, that's the outside parameter of it. But in fact, I don't... Um, interpret a patient's work, a client's work. I obviously can see stuff in it that they cannot see in it because I'm much more objective. So I know what to ask about or what to point out. But it really is, the artwork is a reflection of what's happening in that person's mind. So for me to jump on it and say, well, that means this, this, and this, I can be completely inaccurate. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's a combination. We do the client, myself, and the art product, the, whatever's produced or is getting produced. So there's a three-part working in this therapeutic setting. All right. I've spoken to a couple of people um, in the last few days, and they've mentioned art therapy. Oh. Uh, w- one guy is a, now a blacksmith. And he doesn't mm. uh, he doesn't work with animals, but he makes knives and axes and mm. whatever else he's made. And he mentioned art therapy, uh, using that as art therapy to um, to work through his his mental issues, injuries. Yeah, so, yeah, it's wide ranging. So, which brings me good segue to you, over to you, Derek. Okay, <laughs> I'm waiting. <laughs> well, how how did you come to art therapy, and how is it has it helped you? Uh, Put you under the gun here. If it hasn't helped you, then uh, I'll, I'll leave. I'll leave. <laughs> um, so, so what happened for myself was uh, I got out of the military in 2013, very angry and upset with a whole bunch of stuff. 
And then I, for about three or four years, seen a psychologist, and uh, it was a, no, I really wasn't getting anywhere. And then the uh, case manager for me at Veterans said, I know this lady, if you'd like to uh, go and try art therapy. And, uh, of course, it was Marilyn. And at first, when I was told art therapy, I thought, uh, it's kind of quackery. Had you heard about it before? Never, never. I thought, you know, as soon as I heard art therapy, I thought, like, crayons and coloring books and stuff like that. Yeah. So I, I said, uh, I'll, I'll go. So I went and I met Marilyn, and um, very good first meeting. I said, okay, I'll give it a try. And now three years later, here I am, and uh, I've done a couple of shows with her. I've gone to a conference, uh, uh, done lots of uh, work with painting. and so, so how has it helped you? Not to interrupt what, you. what it's done is um, it's been a gateway to unlocking and understanding. So like I tell people time and distance, right? The farther you're away from the incident, you look back and you can start understanding things better. And what the art does, it, it helps you to unlock those those memories and those moments that for some reason they're locked and uh as you're doing it uh i think uh, the example i use is one day marilyn gave me a block of soapstone so it was a big square of soapstone and i start carving it and i was just talking to her and it was just nice i was making these kind of circular motions and suddenly i had a head carved out of it and then there was arms and over a few sessions i ended up with a with a baby that I had buried in Rwanda. So slowly, the subconscious uh, manifested and it made itself concrete in the form of a carving. And then we talked about that incident and that, that moment, mm. right? So is that what you so is mm. that what you would call a breakthrough, Marilyn? <laughs> it's definitely an aha moment. Aha. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can see when it happens. It's like, oh, there's a click and there's a sort of paradigm shift. In the person's mind. And so when you notice that. I think, yay. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. well you, somehow you, this is a radio show, so your inner dialogue has to come out. Wow. So <laughs> you can't keep holding it in. What, what is it you, you think and do? Like, you, here's a breakthrough. Do you go? Mm-hmm. Do you go? Um, what do I do? Yeah. What, what do you do? Um. See, the, the, what has happened is that using the art material, the, the atmosphere we develop over it, over the talking, because there is talking as well involved, it's not just doing art, right. um, has, and other exercises and getting to know each other, has loosened up a part of Derek's mind that has been held tight, closed, okay? The creative part, the, the right brain type role has has opened up so ideas brain is the artistic side of you yeah the vague uh the dreamlike the uh, illogical the one that doesn't do executive functions that that's the one we want to wake up and then it, it has come out through the hands into the art material and manifests itself in something concrete so in other words, you've expressed something, but not just said it, but it's come out and you have it in front of you. You can take it and put it on a shelf and look at it in three years' time. You can bring it back. You can talk about it. And actually, people project onto it later, onto the same thing, and come up with different ideas. Because it, the connections and associations that were made are very vivid, but not always too clear. And there's also a lot of things that one cannot express in words, not adequately. 
but they actually can be expressed uh, visually. So that just opens up a whole area that can come to light that you can talk about. Or sometimes it just happens and then an understanding just goes right in into the mind. Like I think Derek frequently, um, him particularly, uh, as he works, I see new ideas popping up and he just grabs them because that's his personality, right? He doesn't sort of say, ooh, what was that? He just blurts it right out <laughs> in one way or another. Okay. But it's very rich material that keeps coming out. And then my role is to guide it, to make sure it stays. And I look at it from an aesthetic point of view. And I also look at it from a, I see something developing, some communication developing. And then I sometimes say, oh, I, I think that I don't like that piece crossing over that other piece because it takes away from what that's saying. So we talk about how the artwork is talking back to us. It's responding to us. And that is where the understanding starts to come. So <laughs> That's a long story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, you got, got it out there. So how, how, Derek, and I guess you can jump in here too, Marilyn. So mm. you had the aha moment. I take it the baby was peanut? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, is that in the book? I can't remember. Yeah, it was in the book. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you had that aha moment. And so, Marilyn, he has this moment. How do you build on that? Like. Okay, so so part of the therapeutic process is to make people aware that of what a, uh, that they've had it, yeah. and aware of what they've had, and of course that's also building up you, you slowly building awareness of where the tension's coming from, right. or, I mean sometimes I really don't know, I have no idea. There's a lot of things, and Derek will pick on him in his mind, that have oh, agitated him. <laughs> Lots and lots of things. And there's no way I'm not a mind reader. I can't see. But as soon as... I can read his artwork, though. And even if I don't know exactly what it is, I can see that there's something here. There was uh, an example is... um, Not Derek. um, Another person, infantryman, who um, painted a picture and he told me what he wanted to paint and it was the soldier and there was something about the angel wings and it was the protection of right. the soldier with the red and glowing fires of the firefight mm-hmm. right and then on the sort of middle left hand side there was area of the canvas that he didn't finish was, so awaited. it was that a calming area he was no no it's an area he couldn't go to ah. he he couldn't you see it was starting to come up in him mm-hmm. and it came out by being ignored on the canvas mm-hmm. um, but he was not ready to look at it it was coming close but then so that's right eventually i suggested well you could put this color in or that color in and complete the picture let's make the picture complete the thing you've said today is going to be complete later another time we can come back to that area but he didn't even want to talk about it or admit that it was there but that's how i read it i read it and i was right because i could see the reaction in him so it's just a communication and expression outside. You take what's inside and you put it outside, literally. Do you have anything to add to that, Derek? Well, I, I think, uh, I think the art therapy for myself is it's a thing that you need to do much later. Like when I when I first hmm. got diagnosed in my first few years after I retired, I, I was seen a psychologist, psychiatrist, and I don't think Marilyn would have 
benefited me or I wouldn't have benefited her. Like it would have been a difficult relationship because I wasn't ready. But after years of calming it down, uh, by the time I saw her, I was open and I was, you know, ready to discuss these issues. So it, it's not something I, I think you can just jump into in the middle of being angry and still confused about what happened to your career. I think it's a year or two later when you start calming down that you can come to mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And you, you've used a multi-angle approach well, to yeah, your treatment. Yeah, even like, for example, uh, the, the book I wrote on Rwanda came out of seeing Marilyn. And basically, uh, she gave me uh, the courage to have voice to my journals. And from there, uh, it just opened up. And within the book, there's little passageways I, I write from the present day, reflecting on it. So it opened up the ability to look at it more objectively and things at the time that I may have been upset about, I understand, well, no, I shouldn't be. You know, I, I think that that was the, na- the natural course for that patient or what that doctor did was actually the right thing or, or like some of the, the higher command decisions were actually, you know, right. And at the time, I wasn't seeing the whole picture. So do you find it... You've been doing this for over two, two years, years now? Three years. Why Why so long? What Have you just gone? Not, not, <laughs> not that you has got a problem. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely just, does. I'm, I'm a lot of work. <laughs> not, not that anything's going to be fixed true. overnight, but uh, why, why do you think it took you three years to come to uh, um, an epiphany? I, I think because it's so multi-layered, and what happens is, and anybody that... that you know, it's been overseas, and most of the guys I know in Petawawa, we've been on five, six, seven, eight tours. Yeah. Um, what happens is they start running into each other, and things I did in Somalia were flowing into Rwanda, and Rwanda flowed into Bosnia, and those three flooded into me when I went to Afghanistan. Well, with mental injury, you have that. Yeah, and, and mm. the, the cup flows over, and then sometimes I'd, I, like, almost like amnesia, like, did that child die on me? at the FOB in Afghanistan or Rwanda, and I couldn't remember. And so I think calming the brain down, doing the art and grounding yourself allows you to tease out those different things. And sometimes mm. it might take two years, three years. It might take a lifetime. Like, I'm not sure. But for me, it's been working, I think, relatively fast. Because since I've been seeing Marilyn, like I say, I've done a few art shows and lectures and stuff and written two books. So obviously my right brain is being stimulated and awoken. So, uh, yeah, I'm getting grounded very well. And uh, what what uh, anger I had when I got out is seemingly it's it's very calm now as far as that. Um, you know, and I think you can look back and see things from a different perspective. How, mm-hmm. how would you say um, from the beginning, let's put it in a perspective someone can understand, so yeah. a scale of 1 to 10. Yeah. From that first year to uh, three years later, how much progress have you made? Like, where would you put that on a scale? Ten being you're cured. I, I would say I'm probably, you know, I, a six or a seven. I've come a long way. Yeah, because I think when I, even the first year, there was times where I'd get really angry at the earth when I was doing it with Marilyn. And I don't think that's as much now as in Marilyn. No, no. Yeah. You're much more compatible now. And- yeah. Thanks. <laughs> and would you agree with his assessment? Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I would. Yeah, yeah. I've never thought about it in in those terms of a scale of one to mm-hmm. ten. 
Um, well, and I, I think what you're doing. <laughs> um, I think we, I would. We have to. Mostly, it's soldiers. We're going to be hearing this, so you have to dumb it down for us. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I don't know how to dumb it down. Well. <laughs> Start drinking more alcohol. That'll it'll help. all come clear. It, it'll, all, it'll all be revealed. It'll be revealed, yeah. It is a revealing, it's a revelation of, of inner thoughts. And um, there is a confusion, that's what Derek's talking about, a confusion of memory. Okay. Memories uh, differ. There's different types of memories, the traumatic memories versus the narrative memories. Um, the narrative memories kind of get stuck in a kind of report type set and and they can come out and so uh, a person can talk about their issues without any emotional feeling um it's good the traumatic memory that's associated with that if we're talking somebody who's been in you know in a traumatic situation uh is quite different and uh, art can bring out the traumatic memory so you do have to be careful and that comes down to i agree with derek that not everybody i wouldn't say is suitable for art therapy but it depends where you are at in your journey if you're in a crisis of some kind mm -hmm. you don't really want to open up all the floodgates at the same time it'll just be worse and the focus and the concentration isn't there either i, I just interrupt i understand what you mean by uh, art therapy can be dangerous in that well not not dangerous, but yeah. dangerous in that it's not it might, suitable. In yeah, some it might, places, it might bring out um, issues that he's just, he or she is just not ready to yes. to reveal. Yes, yes I had yes. a similar under um, conversation with a psych psychotherapist, a, a psychologist friend of mine, and uh, he was instructing me in mindfulness. Him and his wife, yes. lovely people. Yes. Frank and Lynette, if you're out there, hello. <laughs> and you too, mom. If you figured out how to figured out the high tech yet. <laughs> Hi, Mom. My, my mom's locked Hi, Mom. out of the clouds. <laughs> anyway, uh, Frank was uh, walk, taking us through uh, a mindful walking. And uh, uh, what, what was the whole day? Geez, sorry, Frank, I've forgotten uh, what the day was. But part of it involved um, a mindful walk. And it was a very slow pace. Or, or Sorry, I should back that up. When I first started the, uh, the course in class with uh, Frank and Lynette, um, Frank had mentioned that Mindfulness can, uh, you know, trigger bad bad memories or unwanted intrusive thoughts that mm. you don't you don't want to deal with at the moment. And I thought, you're a nice guy, Frank, but you're a little out there on this one. Like you're just thinking about things and thinking about your breathing. What could possibly you know bring it out? Anyway, we were doing the mindful walking, and it, it was a slow slow march, and I was just suddenly overwhelmed because it reminded me of. The, the funeral marches, you know, where you're carrying the carrying the boys home. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. I, I couldn't yeah. do that part. Yeah, this that yeah that, that's. I, I hate using the word mechanism, but there is a mechanism that's connected with body and mind, mm -hmm. and um, slowing the mind down, or you can call it focusing it on something. Yeah. Um, they're so interconnected and then they can um, activate different things that you don't usually. And, and then I would call that, it's not a happy aha moment, but it is one. Yes, it is. It was. It is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Because I, I took that back once I calmed down and 
I chewed on it a little bit. I was able to face up, face up to it, uh, mm-hmm. um, not too long afterwards, but mm-hmm. f- for that short period of time, it was yeah. just a trigger. And I hate that word trigger, but <laughs> yes, me too. But yeah. it's handy. It's very handy to use. Yeah, and that sort of um, uh, re-recognizing what happened in a very, very real uh, memory way mm-hmm. is a step the first step it's becoming aware of it in a real way and then the 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 next thing to do is to integrate it with your life so that it grows up with you so that i don't know if that one bothered you particularly but a lot of people have things that they have just locked away cut off and think they've dealt with it yeah. but they actually haven't because it has a sneaky way of controlling your behavior yes your moods your approach to life, your relationships, all those things. Yeah. And that's just talking about the traumatic memories. It's not talking about the other things that actually have come up with Derek a lot, which is the layers upon layers as a military person. Uh, When you are proud of what you can do, you know what you can do, you've been courageous, you've given a lot of your life, and then suddenly you feel like you're not needed, you're not worth anything, and you can go to pasture and don't talk to us again. I'm talking about the feeling, the perception that you've been kicked out of something that you understand. Yeah. That in itself is another type of trauma on top of what is already dug down in your in your head, you know, with your experiences. And that's just sort of putting it very mildly because there's a lot of um, ramifications of what that does to you in your life. So... You can see there's layers and upon layers, and I have no idea when one thing will come up or another. And, and it comes out, it's something to do with actually touching the material and trying to make it work or trying to look into what you're doing. You're looking into your own mind. And not realizing you're looking into your own mind. Yes. Yeah. 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 So do you have do you have a story of um, of a patient that was particularly difficult to work with or was having difficulty uh, working mm. through the problems where you ha- you both came to a like an aha moment simultaneously? Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, I'd I'd have to um, I'd have to think about that. There's been little ones with almost everybody, yeah. not everybody. Yeah. Uh, and I've had at least two patients who've just said this is too stressful. Yeah, my my gauging it is that the point that they are in their life, this is too stressful for them to consider because for the first time it's coming right up in their face, and they're not ready for it. They need to do either more, I don't know, some other kind of work, some other kind of counseling, or just waiting for time mm-hmm. to pass, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, gosh, um, I, let me think about that. Yeah, well, I, I asked uh, one of the guys Andrew interviewed was OPP, and uh, I asked him for a, uh, you know, what's his best cop moment? You know, as as mm. what's his happiest cop moment? And he couldn't think of one. <laughs> he, <laughs> I said, the example, you got a puppy trapped in the tree. You know, what are you going to do? <laughs> so I'm going to call the firefighters because that's what they do. But he couldn't. He couldn't come up with a uh, no, a happy no, story. No, it's, it's hard. Yeah, because yeah. he's he's so. You know, because everybody asks you, you know, what's that worst thing you've seen? What's the goriest thing? Yeah. And yeah. that's what yeah. they're so, fo- they are so often focused, mm-hmm. focused on that mm-hmm. they can't take away that. that well, one, I mean, there, there's lots of micro moments. There really are. 
and they sort of build up. There's also an incubation period. So when something starts to rise up and gets understanding, sometimes it'll be a week, they'll come back and say, oh, on my way home, I was thinking about what we were talking about and I couldn't understand it. But by a week or two weeks later, they come and they tell me the understanding. And I don't know how that works, but it's like something has to sit there switch around a little bit, and then it starts to make sense. The, uh, one of the fellows I interviewed, very, he's very depressed. Well, he's frequently depressed. Mm. Um, and I asked him in, in the beginning of the interview, what's it like to wake up daily with PTSD? And he couldn't, couldn't come up with anything. So we shot the breeze back and forth for about an hour. Mm-hmm. And then I asked him the question again, and he had by that time come up with a response yes yes i'm not gonna tell you what it was because then you won't listen to the pod Um. (laughs) (laughs) no fair enough (laughs) um (laughs) yeah so he was actually somebody who was also uh an art therapy guy oh okay Um, yeah so there's do you um Mm. is your clientele mostly military now uh right now it is it's usually about uh, a bit over half is military and the rest are just I guess what you would call civvies. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Some of them dirty, greasy civvies. Most of them are just civvies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, uh, and I've been working with veterans since about, I think, 2007. And what, what so, do you find mm-hmm. that particularly more interesting than working with the general civilian population? Or? I find it absolutely fascinating, yeah. In what, why, what, what way? Well, I think there is something to do with the intense training that soldiers get and what it does to their brains. Most people don't get anything near like that in their life for any reason. Yeah. They don't, right? And so in one way, it's like a disciplined mind. So it, you can call on the discipline. You can pull it out. Yeah. On the other hand, there's like a stubbornness. <laughs> Not sure what you call it. We, we don't to, want to don't, release information that... That's right. Yeah. And, and you're not going to give anything out. And made up your mind about what it is, right? Yeah. It's, it's a strength, but then it works against, against people. But um, there are some things you should be letting in, or some people you should be letting in. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it goes back, Marilyn, to the talk to it one time, you and I, the, the, the mantra, the mission, the men, myself, and you're always at the bottom of the, the hierarchy of needs for the military. Yeah, and yeah. That, and that's why you don't disclose, because the mission is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And you always go keep striving to the mission, mm-hmm. or the mm-hmm. men that are under your control. Yeah, and you're at the bottom of the food chain if you're a leader. Yeah, in a in a way that yeah it does make sense. Yeah, and then we don't care for ourselves, and we don't maintenance. We maintenance our vehicles better than our human resources. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think uh, uh, who's the author? Um, the book is called On Killing, and it's written by a American uh, ex colonel. He was actually mm-hmm. even did a uh, talk with us while we were at Seesaw. Mm. He knew his audience because he kept going, hoo You'd expect, and we don't hoo <laughs> you, know? you don't hoo No, Canadians do not hoo In the airborne, we'd let out the odd hoo just because that's what the paratroopers do. It's kind of a thing. But the rest of the military does not hoo does not. <laughs> and on, that's too funny. And uh, um. he, he uh, took, it, took it from where we first were in battle with rocks and 
clubs and whatnot and mm-hmm. brought it up. And, you know, in during the First World War, you know, something like only 10% of the soldiers actually shot at the enemy. They would shoot above the enemy or whatever. The artillery did most of the killing. And uh, mm-hmm. by World War II, they had brought it up to something like 40% or something like that. Yeah. By the time Vietnam era rolled over, we had perfected teaching people how to kill um, by something like up to 80% or something. Like it was, I, the numbers I'm pulling out of my out of the cloud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we've gotten so good at being trained to kill people, but we're not trained when we leave to deprogram that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call myself programmed exactly, but it's there. Mm-hmm. You know? And that constant repetitive... Uh, engaging the enemy, how to protect yourself and your your comrades. Um, yeah. But when you get out, when you're out that gate, there's nothing there. Um, yeah. There's an analogy I have, Steve. I don't know if I mentioned it before, but uh, when we join, if you imagine us as a blank uh, hard drive, and the army, when as soon as they get you, they give you an app for marching. They yeah. give you an app for weapons. They give you an app for map and compass, military law. And your whole career, they keep loading these apps on the hard drive. And then when you retire, they say, well, see you later. And you say, well, I got all these apps running at the same time. Well, that's not my problem. Take them with you if we don't want them see anymore. See you later. Yeah. And then you've got to spend years to go see people like Marilyn or psychiatrists or psychologists to get rid of these apps because you're trying to sleep at night and you're hypervigilant. Or you're wondering what's going on over there, and every time you walk somewhere, you're doing, you know, danger assessments, or you're looking at, yeah, you know, and, and so your mind is always uh, on high alert, yeah, and your adrenaline's running. So the army has to figure out how to uh, take these apps off you as you're leaving the army. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but they put those years of training you how to kill people. Yeah, they can't possibly take that same amount of time to. No, but, and that's how it is, right? And that's that's how people come out, yeah? And that also speaks to the moral injury that happens. Yeah. And the the stuff happens, right? Um, Yeah, yeah. Well, what what I was saying, though, like, I was, uh, if you think about it, the engineers have the the rope you, right? The water purification. So for every 20 hours it runs, they shut it down for four for maintenance, uh, us human resources, they drive us and drive us and drive us, and we really don't get the same sort of maintenance. So if there's a program, for example, where every five years you sit down and you do sort of like a, a little course on where you're at now, you got 15, 20 years left, this is where you should be, and, and do some maintenance for a week. Yeah. Like maintenance, like mm-hmm. not leave, but maintenance, give some intellectual development or... Yeah, that's that's a whole other topic. It is. Yeah, I'm just saying that that's mm-hmm. you know that that would have done me well, and I wouldn't have gotten out with all these things going in my head from all the tours I did and all the stuff I went through mm-hmm. on you know uh, on camp. And I, I think that this is also um, why I'm interested in working with veterans is that um, the training that we've just been talking about and what it does to your brain is very interesting to look at if you study what the new psychology is of the brain, neurology, how does it work? What happens where? What sets what up, you know, mechanically? And um, what can you open and how the associations are made with the the little uh, 
neurons and everything like that. So that is, I have found absolutely fascinating, that whole part of psychology. And military people are very, very interesting to apply that to. <laughs> they are. Yes, yes. Yes, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not, I know I've changed over the years. There's no doubt about it. Everybody changes over the years. Yes. Um, but I've always been sort of an outgoing kind of guy. Um, Personality is outgoing. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then, uh, but, and I, but I wouldn't say I've been, um, I haven't been institutionalized. Mm-hmm. Um, not yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> they've been a few t- attempts. Um, but my wife, Tam, would probably tell you different. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's things that I do that I, I don't even notice. Mm, interesting so anyway what what would you you say is the greatest thing that art therapy does um i think that it gives you quite easily a new perspective on things whether you agree with it or not having a new perspective really gives you somewhere to go Um, it definitely as i said before it can take things that are inside you and put them outside where you can objectively view them that's becoming self-aware in a lot of ways is key to getting things healed self-aware part of maslow's triarchy of need triangle of need uh where is it on maslow's I think it's about the third thing now. It is in there, though. Yeah. Yes, yes. First, you have to eat and food yeah. and stuff. And then you have to look after yeah. yourself. Yeah, and then philosophy, sort of, Yeah. whatever. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like that, yes. So, um, uh, the other thing is that, you know what? It's a part of people. Uh, I think people are innately artistic. I don't really? mean, yeah, I don't mean they're visual Leonardo, no, but they have a creative artistic bent. And it may be in your dance, it may be in writing, it may be in visual arts, it may be in drama. You saw me, seen me dance. <laughs> okay, maybe there's something else you're writing, right? So there's a, which simply means that there's a creative way of looking at things, which in um, mental illness or disturbance, gets um, shut down. It gets shut down and you absolutely need it. You need both sides of the brain to work seamlessly together because the one informs the other. It's never good just to only have the one. And by the time we're adults, just regular people are using their left brain much more than their right brain. Mm -hmm. And so that innate kind of artistic creative intelligence goes dormant. And if you wake that up and make it move and make the person believe in who they are with that, you you just give them so many more tools to work with. So many more options. And that's sort of the point about doing these interviews and... uh I mean, you're going to be part of, I don't know what I'm going to head it yet, but you'll be in there with the psychologists and the... Uh, the pathologists, uh, wow. Psychologists and pathologists and whoever <laughs> else I can get in here. Holy I think get a priest in here too. i got to talk to Steve. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's Steve good be good. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, I think so. But uh, yeah. that, that's a rabbit hole. <laughs> Stay another, out of the rabbit hole. That's another one. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm not completely sure I'd agree with everybody being an artistic. Well, I'm using it in a very broad way, mm-hmm. right? Uh, engineers are very creative. Chimo. There you are. <laughs> See, immediate recognition of what I'm talking about. Pavlovian response. <laughs> <laughs> very good. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no. I ass is an artistic thing. I, I'm an artist. <laughs> yes, I think there is something about that. Um, I taught art for many years to children. And of course, children are much less sophisticated than adults. And they're less, they hold less back. They hold less back. Uh, they're more inclined to accept what they do. Though at a certain point, they start to judge their work against, you know, all the natural artists. Mm-hmm. Because there's always ones with a more natural talent. Right. And they start to sort of surface. And then you become unsure of um, what you can do. But if, if that, that natural bent towards being creative or artistic can be woken up again because it's still in your head mm-hmm. yeah you do it that that's what i think yeah i mean we're not producing stuff for the most part that's going to be sold in galleries or anything though some of them are very very beautiful I saw a lot of them for the very uh, art, beautiful art pieces well mm-hmm. if they can get a pay a million dollars for the voice of fire you remember the big red strip down the love uh, it oh. <laughs> <laughs> That was an engineer flag, I think. <laughs> I saw that. He said, I paid a million bucks for that? I could take stuff off the fridge that my kid did that was better than that. But uh. you, di- you didn't do it, though. <laughs> no, you you didn't do it. I was in such it. a rage. I did was you? worried I'd go in there and burn down the voice of fire. <laughs> oh, that would be so exciting. Yes. <laughs> yes, it would. But we'd be doing this from inside a jail cell, no doubt. <laughs> Please let me talk to my art therapist. <laughs> It's, it's her fault. <laughs> and bring me some organic food. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The organic food bit came up because uh, one of the protesters, you know, the one that's dressed as a Viking. And oh, with Capitol. the horns and stuff. Yeah, his yes. mother was upset he was in jail and was unable to get organic food. <laughs> oh. He becomes quite sick without eating organic food. Oh, that's so sad. I'd like to see some of his art. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, you see, the art too, it's um, another point about art therapy, which I've sort of touched on. It's the making of the art, the actual producing it, that is as valuable as the end product. Right. Right? So it's all those things in your head that you pull together and that you tell your hands to do subconsciously and that you make and that you appreciate or you don't like or you do like because you start to learn what you like and don't like. A lot of people cannot tell you before that what they like and don't like. That process... You're you're, you're using that process and and putting yourself into it. Yeah. There's something about the the movement, actual movement, that uh, gets things like metaphors to work in your brain. Mm-hmm. And a metaphor can work for both sides of your brain. Both sides can understand it at the same time. It becomes, so metaphorical thoughts, if you want to call them thoughts, happen when you make, when you make art. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can't reproduce that without making art. You actually have to make it. And you can throw it away afterwards. Yeah. You don't have to keep it. it it's, you, yeah. If you've made this thing and you've put some of your stress into that thing, maybe throwing it away is also a, a good cleanser. idea. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, there's a few things that work like that. For instance, if Are you, you have. Are you impressed by how brilliant I am? 
I'm totally floored. I thought I was talking to a psychotherapist. <laughs> so me too. He's got a second career coming here. <laughs> but there are uh, things that you can do. For example, um, if somebody really cannot produce anything, doesn't want to sit at the table and work, is physically stiff or won't take their jacket off or something, you say, let's do scribbles. You give them three pieces of paper. Maybe they don't know there's three there. Take yeah. them to the... Do a scribble. It's very hard for them to do the scribble. It's mm. very hard for an adult. And then you say, okay, that's enough. That's what I do. And I take that top sheet off. It's a big brown piece of paper. Mm. Tape the, the next one. There's another one underneath. Let's do that one in threes. Uh, this is a very simple process. They do that one, and then they do a third one. By the time they're doing the third one, there's already communication happening in there from not being able to even scribble or what do you mean how can i do that what do you want me to do questions by the time they've done the third one already entering 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 they're starting to produce some sort of communication yeah Yeah. they might be having their inner dialogue saying well i'm here i might as well bloody do it and perfect that's exactly what's written on their face (laughs) (laughs) and those pieces in themselves most people forget what's on them and whatever it's the process of doing it that has enlightened and opened up yeah yeah all right yeah you want to throw in anything there Derek? uh the only thing i was going to say was like when you think about joining the military uh, the first thing they do is, uh, I think, part of the process, and I don't know if it's deliberate or it just happens, is they shut down the right brain, the, the artistic side, because, you know, recruit school, that when you start, I think, serves to shut down the fight or flight or freeze response, and um, you get injected with a little bit of adrenaline. And then the rest of your career, if you come to a place like Petawawa or Valcarce or Edmonton, your, your whole career is adrenaline-driven. And when you get out... Um, you have to reawaken that right side. And, and that's, I could show you some of the art that I've done with Marilyn, and I think that's what she's done, is quieted down the left side and reawoken the right. And then, and that's a process mm. that I think is important to do. Mm. So you get back to living life and enjoying it. So who would you, uh, who would you say to recommend to art therapy? Uh, I would say people who have uh, finished like when i was angry i was hitting myself i was angry i was suicidal that's not a time to do art there i think when i was three or four or five years past that i think that's when you can you can start calming down and start processing so not a time to do art therapy when you're really angry but that's the time to go see a psychiatrist or a psychologist definitely yeah you know a social worker social you may even have to you know go in for in-house treatment for a while yeah it all depends where you're at on that spectrum, right? Would you agree with that, Marilyn? In general, but I think everybody's very individual. Yeah. Very individual. And I have definitely seen clients of mine <clears throat> who've come unable to talk, or unable to stay in the room, and then, then become very relaxed and able to work, and then come back, you know, miss a few sessions and come back, and it looks like they've reverted back to how they were. But each time it's a little bit easier to bring them out. So people come in and out of these sets. And maybe for a while or all summer they're really angry. And then the fall the weather changes and there's a change in their mood. Mm-hmm. And they can get angry again later. 
Yeah. I think uh, Derek's right, though. Like when you're really not listening, really emotionally agitated, and you're not sleeping at all well, and your medications haven't set in, and or you don't even want to take them, yeah. and you just lose your temper every time you drive your car, you know that sort of thing. Um, you're probably not going to come and and have you you can't just calm down find yourself and do some art it, yeah. it, it's not relaxing to say come and paint a picture to somebody who is not artistic yeah. and is angry yeah it doesn't relax and makes them mad yeah it would do that to me i suppose it, yeah. i know yeah <laughs> yeah it's like very irritating so because i've told my wife to calm down <laughs> and what happened? I should have had crayons for her because she did not calm down. <laughs> Here's the pink crayon for yeah, you. Yeah, pink crayon. Pink crayon. Uh, <laughs> stereotype, eh? Yeah. That's what he do. So. <laughs> I like pink. Mm, um, mm, mm. So, so what? What else would you would you say about uh, mm. art therapy? What What do you think? What's your uh, takeaway point or giveaway point today? Oh goodness me! What, um, what's a tool for people? Because that's the idea behind these. Yes, Give yes. Give people the tools to yes. uh, get through. Or. Well, one of the things about art therapy is it works very nicely as an adjunct therapy. Right. So it doesn't mean you have to do art therapy or, uh, you know, Psych- psychoanalytic therapy yeah. or something like that. Yeah. You can do both. And the one can inform the other. And within art, I do basically visual art, but there's writing and there's music because these are all the senses that it um, informs or uh, awakens up, so that it can be um, a hybrid of different different things. And uh, really, if somebody is working with a, a an MSW and doing counseling, and they have PTSD and they're getting along, mm-hmm. and then they come and do a little bit with me, it might be just enough to switch them over to another path and they go back. Right. Yeah. And, and I think you really have to be flexible about it. I'm At least that's my approach. My other approach is I'm quite, um, well, I think I'm very intuitive. <laughs> I mean, I could tell you what, what, how I look at things with all the technical term, but basically it's like flying by the seat of your pants in a way, because you don't know what's going to come out of people, and people are individual. Uh, you could say all soldiers have this, this, and this, and all this training, and I see that. Yeah. But there's the individual person inside. Yeah. There's the real self inside that usually doesn't present itself. Are there people that should not take art training? Art therapy? No, sorry, art therapy. Yeah. Um, Don't ever oh, talk to me again. Slip. I don't know if I'd say that. Um, there are some people who are um, perhaps uh, breaking into a sort of psychotic level. So there's certain disorders or levels of disorders which will prevent them from accepting uh, instruction or working with me together. Has anybody done that you're aware of art therapy uh, with psychopaths? Psychopaths are a favorite of mine. I came up uh, in another interview. Psychopaths. <laughs> are you asking for yourself? <laughs> I, I, haven't, guy, I, know. I have not. You see, and this is the thing, a psychotherapist works within their own competence and what they think they can work with. There's some areas I would not accept because I don't know how to work with them. Right. So right. I was just wondering if you were aware of anything. Yes. 
I've definitely, I haven't ever worked with anybody who I think is psychopathic. Um, certainly people who have um, mood disorders are quite, uh, can be quite volatile at times. Or um, uh, somebody like uh, a borderline personality disorder <laughs> who likes actually to stir stuff up. <laughs> So, <laughs> that's me. There. You're talking about me. <laughs> I'm right here. Yes. Now that person can 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 benefit from art therapy, but how often in in a session do I have to fight against this personality type or the what's being presented to me to get it to sit aside? So we can actually look at what the problem is. So you know, there's a limit to how much I can do, and then. I think I've probably told one person it's not working. I've had two people say it's been too um, too agitating for them. You know, I keep everything as calm as possible, but it has totally drawn it out very quickly, and they don't like it. And no, we're not going to try make a person feel relaxed. That doesn't work, yeah. right? Is there um? Is there a basic, um, I guess I already know the answer to this, but is there a basic uh, amount of sessions that the average person takes mm -hmm. before they no longer come to see you that they've... Oh, I, I couldn't say that because it depends on what they have. But I could say that one or two or three is not enough. Okay. I'd, I'd say you'd have to start with a minimum of 10 sessions, maybe hour-long sessions. They don't have to be wrong very long sometimes the length is because if you're involved in a piece of sculpture and suddenly it's working for you uh i i like to extend the session so that you can get done that part i don't want to be like going to the kindergarten kid and snatching their crayons and saying time to go home yeah right you can't do that but um i would say you need you need a series because you have to work into it. And some people come very easily and open their minds and others don't. I mean, it has, I've worked with several people for a few years. Mm -hmm. What Derek comes quite often, <clears throat> sometimes doesn't come, but once a week. A lot of people come once every two weeks. Mm -hmm. Or they need a break. They're sick and tired of counseling and that, and they just want two months without having any appointments. That's yeah. fine with me. Well, I'm not sure I... I I didn't answer. Yeah, no, no. I'm, I didn't uh, originally look at it as a as a healing or oh. you know, when when uh, when mm. uh, Derek first mentioned it, I was like him too. Uh, kind of hippy dippy shit is this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Well, it is that too. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure you can work in there. Um, <laughs> you can work that in. <laughs> but uh, you know, speaking with you and Derek and then uh, other mm. people. It does make sense to me that it's just another tool in the toolbox yeah. that you can use. It, it is, yeah. And yeah, you can see it that way. Yeah. I, I would say to guys who are, well, how common are uh, psychotherapists that do art therapy? That do art therapy? Uh, not too many. I would say probably in Ontario, there's probably 150 or 200. In this that, area, how many would there be? You? In this area? Yeah. It's me. There's actually somebody else who is trained as an art therapist, mm -hmm. but she doesn't actually work as one. It's part of the problem mm -hmm. is that in an area like this, there's nobody offering a position for an art therapist right. in a clinic. Right. I have a private practice. If you go down to Toronto or London, any of those bigger areas, yes, you might find a position like that. Right. And that also explains why there aren't 
too many up here. Or there's people who do a bit of art therapy along with their other thing. I feel personally that one needs to know how to use art materials. I think you need to have a art training that's pretty pretty severe, you know. Like you really need to know how to read it. You don't want to just be stuck with pencils and erasers. No. You can do it if that's all you have. Yeah. If you might be in an area where there's no crayons or paint and only pencils. That's you can do it. Or mud and a piece of plywood or whatever. Exactly. Or driftwood or mm. breaking pots. You know, you can break a pot anywhere. We do that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole what lot of different techniques. Kintsugi. It's, it's based <laughs> it's based on kintsugi. kintsugi. Yeah, because kintsugi isn't That's a yeah. art form, yeah. But it's wonderful eastern way of looking at life and it fits with ptsd and brokenness and trauma yeah so talk mm. about that for a bit what the kintsugi yeah thing? yeah yeah <laughs> okay so uh japanese kintsugi many centuries old is um <clears throat> taking beautiful handmade pottery or vessels uh and really having giving them a lot of value so to the point that where it's broken you want to still keep it and the story is of the emperor who demanded that his favorite vessel be repaired in such a beautiful way and they did it with gold so that there was gold comes through the cracks and they're absolutely beautiful the way they do it so the way i applied it is uh, people with ptsd have traumatic backgrounds which have in one way or another broken them right uh the other thing with ptsd and in particular with military is that there's memory gaps where you don't remember exactly what happened so you don't know why it's affecting you so basically what we do is we have handmade pots of pottery like not it has to be real clay Mm -hmm. clay from the earth get them all over the place Derek finds them for me all over I ask the person to pick one of these pots that they like they have to pick something that they like and they put their initials on the bottom of it this is representing them now so they've picked a beautiful pot that they like and then I say now we're going to break it this is a very simple thing to do but it's quite difficult for some people to break that part and i used to give them a hammer choice of a hammer or a stone and now i've taken the hammer away because <laughs> i've noticed with veterans that the hammer becomes the the go-to so <laughs> so we just sort of wrap it so that we don't get pieces in our eyes yeah. i have a great big piece of mica it's beautiful mm. it's heavy and i say okay here you, i want you to feel the pot inside we have a little tea towel or something over Mm -hmm. it just feel how strong it is and you can you can feel it Mm -hmm. and now i want you to take the stone and i want you to break it usually one the pot one bash break the pot yeah and then feel how it feels and you can do that so you feel it you break it which sometimes it takes people a while to actually do it. Because symbolically... Nobody wants to be broken. No. Right? Nobody. We don't want to. We work against it. And you can feel it collapse. I had one guy, he did it, he felt it collapse, and he said, "Uh, can we call the ambulance? (laughs) 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 It was beautiful. (laughs) 
And then you open it and you look at the smashed pot. And almost automatically, people start to figure out how they can put it together again. Yeah. So, the con- so then you glue it together again. Usually it won't go perfectly together. And um, after it's glued together and dry, then you, uh, I have gold paint mm-hmm. and we paint all the cracks gold. Right. So that's to imitate the thing. So there's three sort of um, things you learn out of this. One is that... Um, Oh, what's the first one, Derek? Montani? Uh, no. No. <laughs> no, it's not that. That everybody it's, is broken in some way? <laughs> no, that uh, there's beauty in, in, uh, in broken. bro- brokenness. Mm-hmm. That something that's dead or broken yeah. can be beautiful. It does not have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. You do not have to be perfect, and you as a person don't have to be perfect in order to be beautiful, in order to be valued and accepted. Right. Okay, that's that's the first lesson. Because usually, after they've put it together, people like it. Yeah, It's funny. They, they still like it, so you yeah. can teach that. You can teach that <clears throat> um, just because you're broken doesn't mean you have to be thrown in the trash can. There's value. You don't have to be thrown out. Mm-hmm. You, In fact, you should regret throwing anything out. You should feel a sense of regret at doing it. Okay, and then the last one is <clears throat> things change, mm-hmm. and you have to accept that they change, and won't go back to what they were before. Except the new baseline, <clears throat> and that is Derek's immediate interpretation. That's what he says, and it's perfectly true. You are now setting a new baseline for yourself. Yeah. yeah. So, so I've learned that word from how to use that word from him uh, in talking to. So, we discuss all those concepts. So I, my takeaway from that is well, pretty much the same as your, you, only you said it more eloquently. Well, we don't know yet. I may say it very eloquently here. Listen up, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so you, you take this, this pot, mm-hmm. make it theirs. Yes. And back in their mind there, it's their pot and it's symbolizing who they are. And yeah. then you break this pot mm-hmm. and they... Um, are repelled. Repelled. Y- yes, you're 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 affronted. You're hurt. Yeah, you you, you don't gain, like it. You get an emotional response because you've you just do. broken you, but you put it back together, not mm-hmm. perfectly, but metaphorically, you've fixed yourself. Not perfectly, mm-hmm. you still have their uh, issues, but you can be. You you can work. You can carry on. You can. Continue. You can carry on, and you're still valuable. And you're still valuable. Yeah. And you're still here. There's still a core self. Yeah. That that's a very important thing because people lose sense of who they are when they go through trauma. Right. Yeah. That's very frequent. That sort of sense of I don't know who I am. I can't make decisions and yeah. stuff like that. One person said to me, <clears throat> who's a veteran, um, very logically, well, I didn't break myself because he broke his palm. I said, well, no, let's just switch it a little bit more. That was the part was you. The part didn't break itself. Yeah. Okay? Yes, you use the external force. But the part did not break itself. Something else came in and broke it. That was that big stone. Um, And the other, um, what was the other thing that comes out of that? 
Oh, it was just flashing through my mind. Oh, I can't remember right now. But there's a, there's a, <laughs> there's a lot of things. I mean, this is a, a very quick summary mm. of something that might go on for three or four sessions. Right. Right? Mm. Mm. Oh, I know what the other thing was. I'll just mention <laughs> it. Um, a lot of people who have dealt with their brokenness or their PTSD or their terror or their trauma uh, by... Uh, closing it up lose sense of what it's like and you can't describe the brokenness in words but I think that when you break it and you feel it breaking with your hand you imitate what's happening in your head physically and I think that that's uh, one of the reasons that this means so much to people yeah. Because they can safely feel the brokenness. It's not, it's not going to do anything to them again. Right. But it's like a, a visceral image mm -hmm. of what's happened in them. In general. I mean, lots of... Well, makes sense to me. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> if you can dumb it down for me, everybody else out there is going to understand it. Uh, so yes. did you have a... We're coming up on a, just over an hour here. Okay. Um, and uh, I'll have to cut something out, I'm sure. So we'll just cut Derek's part out. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's good. It'll be therapy for me. It's art therapy. <laughs> I don't know. Me. We'll call it some other kind of therapy. What should we call it? The, um, <laughs> Pod therapy. Pod therapy, yeah. If I can just say two things, Steve. You can, can cut them out later. Um, <laughs> so on the Kintsugi thing, what, what I told people was, like I made lots of Kintsugi pots, and then I start realizing that the value in the Kintsugi pod is like corporate knowledge. So when someone says to me, like, how did you get through all that crap you did overseas? The, the gold lines and the fractures show people that you can put it back together, that you can, you know, reconstitute yourself and you can move on. So you become like a pathfinder for people to, to say, how can I, you know, come through this PTSD or this mm -hmm. depression? So I think that's, that's one thing. The other thing is that if I was in the recruiting system, at, you know, at recruit school, I would teach kids to uh, new recruits to uh, to journal, because like the, all the books I'm I'm writing now are coming from diaries I kept, mm -hmm. and that's a form of therapy, but it's also a form of you're, you're emptying your brain while you're on tour and you're writing down everything that's happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's mm -hmm. the two things uh, I'll end up with, but that's what I would do, Steve. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Sound advice, my friend. Thank you. And <laughs> surprise myself. Yeah. <laughs> We've both made progress. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Marilyn. <laughs> Anytime. My check is in the mail. <laughs> so did you uh, actually had a great summation there with uh, the Kintsugi? Kintsugi, Kintsugi. yes. Kintsugi. Is yes. there anything else you'd like to uh, say? Mm -hmm. Maybe plug your uh, business? Oh, well, I still have space, but I, I'm not really plugging it that much now because I totally enjoy being able to think about things, not be too crowded. I don't like being too busy, right? Mm -hmm. But I do have a very pleasant little studio, which is where I do it, and you visited there. Yes, at home. So um, I'm trying to make I, I make it a safe space, and I keep it uh, for those reasons. Um, and I think usually it's quite pleasant. It's I always do a, a first interview 
with the, anybody who's interested because a lot of people really do not know what goes into art therapy. Yeah. It, it's like a strange thing they're walking into. Yeah. So they'll come and visit, meet me. I'll meet them. And then I can answer any questions. I can show some examples. I can sit at ease. You know, this panic of I'm not an artist. Mm -hmm. How can I do anything with art? Sometimes I have very good artists and I have people who are not artistic. They are not artistic yeah. at all. They cannot draw. But I, you know, I can assure them that this is, um, it's, it's not going to get in the way at all. No. Mm -hmm. yeah. I say, put a dot on a piece of paper. Okay. So that says you were here. So back to my original question. Oh, okay. <laughs> She's going down a rabbit hole, and I thought, well, we'll just see where she goes. <laughs> okay, what was it? Sorry. Do you, do you want to give a plug for your business? How do they get a hold of you? Or Yes, yes. Um, yes, you can look up. Uh, I have a website. www.marilynsaffrey2ls.ca you're like my mom, Marilyn. You don't need the www in there. Oh, okay. Sorry. I know. Okay. Like your mom. <laughs> okay. So it's just my name, one word, dot C-A. And then there's sort of information for connecting. And of course, I'm near the Pembroke area. I'm easily close to Pembroke, right? And Marilyn is spelled Mike, Alpha, Romeo, <laughs> India, Lima, Lima, Yankee. November, Safri, Sierra, Elta, Foxtrot, Foxtrot, Echo, Romeo, Yankee. I love it. <laughs> so that's Marilyn Safri. <laughs> and uh, the, that's how they can get a hold of you, is your uh, website? Yes, yes, yeah. Or you can look up Safri in the phone book. Okay. Yeah. So uh, for those of you, did you have any final words? No, I think wrap I, it up here. I, I think I've spouted enough right now. You but this has been a job. great, great opportunity. I've enjoyed it very much. <laughs> well, I'm glad. Yes. Can we get you a glass of wine after we sign off here? <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right. We can get you one now. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Plenty of people sit around here drinking and talking into this damn thing. Me, I'm drinking alone today, but that's all right. Um, I don't have a problem. <laughs> okay, so uh, those of you out there, um, we you've been hearing and speaking i've been speaking to a lot of different people about uh, tools in the toolbox to help people get through mental uh injuries uh, such as ptsd osi and uh art therapy I've, this is the first time i've had an actual professional come in to talk about it but many of you have uh spoke about art therapy and i had no idea what it was until well today well i'm lying somewhat it backdated a couple of weeks, but just for posterity's sake, it was today. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it is a tool you can try. Um, Marilyn works with people who are depressed, um, angry, um, anxious, anxious, irritable. Um, I covered all my traits there. I think so, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, do she's quite pleasant. Uh, can you hook me up with Charlize Theron? <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> well, I just like to meet her. Maybe she'll buy me lunch. <laughs> Is that a no? It's a no. All right, I'm not plugging her business anymore. She won't introduce me to Charlize. <laughs>
All right, so that is another tooling toolbox, guys. Another potential one, and gals. Um, it you can you can work with it with a psychologist and a psychiatrist. Um, one doesn't uh, rule out the other. So uh, please give it some thought. If you have any questions, drop Marilyn a line at her website. And uh, thank thank you for listening. Live life today, for uh, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And be kind to each other out there. Thanks, Derek. Thanks, Marilyn. Welcome. Welcome. Thanks, Mom. We're signing off now.